What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone's having a great Friday afternoon, and welcome to WSUM 91.7 FM Student Radio. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Solomon, to discuss Badger football, who is the team to beat in the NBA, and we'll finish off the show by discussing updates in the NFL. Yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot to talk about today. There's a lot of interesting kind of developments and around the NFL, at least. Um, also, as well, in the Badger football program, a couple key injuries, um, or one specific key injury, and um, a lot to look forward to this weekend uh, in the football world. Yeah, I definitely agree. So let's uh, jump into these questions. So obviously the Badgers have been on a hot streak after their loss to Michigan at home by winning their last five. This week they take on a Northwestern team that's been struggling all year. So what are Wisconsin's keys to the game if they want to end up on top? Well, I think as has been the case all year, uh, the defense is really going to have to come through. Um, every every game that the Badgers have played, their defense has been, you know, amazing. Um, off, honestly, the only game where they let up a ton of points from, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, was in the... Um, What's that team called? Notre Dame. The Notre Dame game. Um, and a little bit to uh, Michigan as well. So other than that, they've really held teams to really low-scoring uh, low scoring affairs, uh, which kind of shows uh, the two teams that beat them were both very high-ranked and have had really good seasons so far. Only one-loss teams, both of them. Uh, so I'm really excited to see this defense play North, uh, Northwestern. Northwestern, not the strongest um, offensive team kind of giving Iowa even a, a tough time. Um, but their defense is relatively solid. You know, they're they're not a team to take lightly, I'd say. Uh, you might have been able to get away with going easy on Rutgers, um, who are a weaker team in the Big Ten, are slowly on the, on the rise, some might say, uh, with Coach Greg Schiano. But Northwestern, I think, again, a weaker team in the league. Uh, no one's really looking at them to have huge upsets or really make a huge impact. Um, but still, that being said, you can't go easy on them because they are a team, any team in the Big Ten and any team in college football, period, can have a good week and you can have a bad week or you could you know, go easy on them and then all of a sudden you lose a game that you should win and it changes the trajectory of the rest of your season. So, Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think one of the keys to the game on Saturday is keeping the passing attack going. Mm -hmm. I mean, the UW backfield suffered a tough loss this weekend, losing junior running back Ches Malusi to injury. And he's been an absolute monster this season, finishing the year off with 815 yards and five touchdowns. Over the past three weeks, Graham Mertz has been looking comfortable and sharp in the pocket. He's been decisive in his decision-making, and he's paying off good protection and open receivers with solid play. UW should keep that up against Northwestern, especially with play-action passes early in the game because they're going to key in on the run with Braylon Allen. Northwestern is going to have to commit extra bodies to stopping the run, and Merch should have one-on-one opportunities early and often, and he's going to have to capitalize on that. Yeah, I agree. I think Graham Mertz really had a great game last week. Granted, again, it's his Rutgers we're talking about, not the you know star-studded teams that you might anticipate, not the high-intensity, high crazy good defense you might expect. Uh, from a Big Ten team, but in their game against Iowa, their one against Iowa, I believe it was two weeks ago, not a terrible display, um, but a solid display from Graham Mertz, only about 100 yards, but a touchdown, no interceptions, which is really important. 
Uh, but versus Rutgers, he really turned it on. He had, I believe, 11 completions only, which isn't that many, but 240 yards, which is insane. That I don't know what that yard catches, but it seems like it's over 20 almost, like two crazy amounts of yards per catch, or yards per attempt, excuse me. Uh, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, but that confidence, I think, that, that ability of Mertz to kind of make downfield passes and kind and and try and create big plays i think is gonna be really important maybe not so much for this game i think like you said those little quick play action ones maybe short screen passes that's probably should work but to get big play potential for going on later into the season to potential post game bowl game matchups because i think graham mertz has slowly every game been getting a little more comfortable in the system a little more comfortable in the offense and it's just been a question of on any given day, is he feeling comfortable against the defensive looks he's being shown? Is he able to maybe look off a, uh, a cornerback or a safety uh, and hit an open receiver? Um, but yeah, I think last week he really, really improved. He had a great game. Uh, the whole, obviously with the scoreline of 52 to three, the whole team had a great game. But um, to me, Graham Mertz really played well, and I'm hoping to see that continue into this week. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to continue into this week. And Northwestern, who they were known for their defense last year, they've really been struggling this year, especially because of the retirement of Northwestern defensive coordinator Mike Hankwitz. And they're last in the Big Ten and one of the worst in all of FBSC, allowing 224.6 yards per game. Against Nebraska, they let up 427 yards. Against Michigan State, they let up 326 against Minnesota, 308, and then against Michigan, 294. So, and, I mean, not, some of those teams are very good. I mean, obviously Michigan having a great season, Michigan State having a great season somewhat unsuspectedly. I agree, but if you're consistently um, allowing over 300 yards exactly. per game. And if you have Nebraska. I mean, yeah. Nebraska's, what, they're last in the Big Ten West, right? They're 1-6 yeah. in the division. That's The only pre- people worse than them are Indiana, who are 0-6. So, I think, yeah, Northwestern's defense – like you said, last year was what they were known for. Yeah. The last couple of years, even they were, they were known for their defense, not so much their offense. It was a question of, oh, Northwestern can hold teams to you know, fourteen, twenty points, you know, low scoring games, but they can't score enough. Now, if you can't now hold, the problem now, is like now the you defense, can't score, yeah. and you can't stop, that's an issue. The defense usually triggers the offense and gets them going. They, I mean, a lot of teams in college football and in the NFL, look at as the well. Iowa game, yeah, perfect just, example. Exactly, they just use that as a spark plug to kind of get the offense like going and. Hopefully get some points on the board, but clearly that hasn't been Northwestern's game plan this year, and they're struggling as a result. And I think Wisconsin's gonna uh, pounce on that, especially at home too. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see. Um, not so much the um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? The depth, I guess, how of how Wisconsin's depth is at running back. Obviously, we know Braylon Allen's amazing. Braylon Allen. As a 17-year-old freshman is making a case to be one of the top running backs in the country. Uh, obviously, Ches Malusi is also a very welcomed member of the backfield. So with Ches Malusi out, obviously Braylon Allen's going to have to step up and take a, maybe a little more um, workload, a little bit higher of a workload. Uh, and I'm curious to see if you know maybe John Chanel gets more time uh as the fullback and see and if he gets more carries as as a running back position maybe um because i'm curious to see if wisconsin will 
kind of take the two back system they had with Malusi and Allen and kind of just splitting the work, let's say 50-50 about, and just put all of it on Allen? Or maybe, because if, obviously, if you put 40, 30 carries a game, which is a crazy number, but like 30 carries a game on a running back, chances of getting injured is very high, all that kind of stuff. So do you see Wisconsin maybe finding another running back that they're trying to slide in more for more reps, maybe more passing downs, you know, what more pass plays, excuse me, or maybe a passing back, passing oriented back. What do you think uh, Wisconsin could do here uh, to make sure to protect the health of Braylon Allen? Yeah. So I think hopefully I see the Badgers being up a good amount against Northwestern and maybe late into the game, like late into the third quarter, fourth quarter, when we're starting to put in the second string, third string players. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Redshirt Jr. Brady um, Shipper gets some work. Yep. And may- maybe um, freshman Jackson Aker, he- who got a- got some work against Rutgers late in the game, just to kind of like carry the load off Braylon out. Because don't get me wrong, he is built like a Greek god. I'm still not convinced he's 17. I'm definitely going to have to see the birth certificate on that one. But he's, I mean, he's a beast. But at the end of the day, even when, even, even if you're a great running back, you can't be taking all those hits and yeah. consistently producing week by week. He's got to get some help. And that's why I think the Badgers are going to lean on the pass attack against yeah, Western. I agree. I think the entire offensive scheme in general is going to change. You know, that whole idea of Wisconsin being a run first team, which is definitely true and has definitely been the case this season might have to change a little bit you know maybe they're not run first maybe they're run second you know maybe they're pass first get this you know the highly coveted Graham Mertz to make some passes make some make some decisions and kind of take over a game and like we said lessen the load on Malusi um with teams like Northwestern you got to experiment offensively I agree I agree I think this is the perfect week kind of like last week with Rutgers and Maybe more of those big pass plays, those you know large down the field throws that uh, ended up with 240 yards passing and three touchdowns for Mertz. Um, maybe do more plays like that. Try try and get the offense to make more large pass plays. Even not it doesn't have to be like 50 yard bombs down the field. It could be you know a nice out route 15 yards up the field or a nice you know someone in the slot hit him real quick. Um, something like that because those small passes will trigger those deep post routes down the field and it'll kind of keep the deep because it'll keep the safeties and the defense uh, honest and maybe creep up a little bit opening up space down the field so I agree I think changing to a pass more pass oriented game plan is going to be really important this week uh, against Northwestern and honestly like you said this is the perfect week to experiment or maybe not experiment but get comfortable I think yeah because you know I in the last five games that the Badgers have won They've always led in the first half, and I think that trend is going to continue uh, Saturday afternoon yeah, against Northwestern. So I think the Badgers are going to get an early lead in this game, and then from there they can experiment uh, offensively, but maybe going into the passing attack more or uh, experimenting with the other running backs. So yeah. overall I think it's going to be a W for the Badgers. Yeah, I think on top of the, the win for this week, I think last week was really important for – Wisconsin as a football team for not just Graham Mertz getting, you know, confidence and pass like getting a lot of passing yards, pass touchdowns, the defense holding Rutgers to only three points, but also in the other scores that happened around the country. Some very important results came through for the, in terms of the Big Ten and the Big Ten championship game picture. Um, Wisconsin now, I believe it is, hold sole 
leadership of Big Ten West, I believe it is. Uh, or no, not quite. Not quite. They're tied with Minnesota, I believe it is, at 4-2 and two in the Big Ten. Uh, so which it's going to come down to the end of the comes season, down possibly. to the last game. So I mean, like that's like the storybook ending. Like That's like the perfect ending that you want. Exactly. You know? So it's going to be, and I think that's really big for Wisconsin to see, hey, guys, like our fate is in our hands. You know, if we win out, if we can play as a team and beat Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota, all of whom they can beat, you know, unless maybe Minnesota loses a game or Purdue loses a game, um, and then they don't need to necessarily win out. Um, if they look the, sit them, sit themselves down and say, hey, guys, we could do this. We could win these games. We could win the Big Ten West. We can make to the championship game. And, you know, we can give Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan a run for their money. Why not? Why can't we, you know? And I think they definitely need to look at that and need to look at last week and how some of the other teams might be stumbling and say, we're not, we're on a five game win streak. We want to keep this going to six. Like we really, really, really as a team have the possibility and the potential to win. And I'm, I'm excited to see that, especially uh, maybe that mentality comes out versus Northwestern. They come out really hungry, uh, which I would love to see, especially on the offensive side. Obviously their defense has been, or the, the Wisconsin defense has been amazing. And it's always been this kind of, the stalwart that you know Wisconsin's going to have a good D, it's the offense that if they gather themselves and say, hey, guys, it stinks that Ches got hurt. Um, we're not at full health, full capacity, but we're still one of the best teams in the country. We're still number 18 for a reason. Why can't we win out? Why can't we make the Big Ten Championship and make some things f- fun or maybe spoil some some playoff hopes for someone like Ohio State, maybe Michigan coming yeah, up? Yeah, it's going to... I mean, right now it's the home stretch for the Badgers, and they got to come through. They know what they need to do, and they got to come through and capitalize. So even though Northwestern isn't going to be a tough opponent, they cannot take them lightly. I agree. They got to still come out with the foot on the gas pedal. Yep, yep, exactly. There's no time to get complacent in the Big Ten, especially, uh, in in terms of, you know, playing down to your opponents. And I think that's what they did last week versus Rutgers. They said, hey, we are a better team. We know we're a better team. On paper, we're a better team. Let's blow them out. And that's exactly what they did. And I think they need to do that, uh, go in with that same mindset versus Northwestern. They need to think, okay, we're going to really take it to them and we're going to show them what we can do. Yeah, all in all, I think the Badgers are going to get a W and um, a lot of fans are going to be out of Camp Randall after jump around. That, that's my prediction. That, I mean, not, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Let's say that. So now transitioning to the NBA, the Warriors have been absolutely scorching this season, um, starting off 10-1. and one. In the East, the Wizards have been very surprising, starting 8-3. and three. The Lakers have been struggling due to injury. LeBron now out with an abdominal strain for the next month, it seems like. So I know it's early into the season, Ben, but who do you think is the team to beat right now? I think that's really hard to look at because I think a lot of teams have been either had issues with maybe COVID-related absences for players. I know just recently the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, had three or four players out due to COVID, um, as well as Ben Simmons. Um, uh, But honestly, I think since it's so early, those teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, those teams like... Uh, maybe the Atlanta Hawks might come together, who aren't doing so well right now. Uh, Milwaukee's 6-6, six and six, just at 500. Atlanta's only 4-8, and eight, so they're really not having a great start to their season. Uh, but both those teams have, you know, playoff potential and playoff caliber players and even p- 
a playoff caliber team, as you saw from last year. So I think there's no reason to not anticipate them kind of turning it around and getting back to it. Uh, however, in the East specifically, I think the Wizards have been very surprising. I don't think they're the team to beat necessarily. I think they might make, based off of how they're playing, they're definitely going to make the playoffs, maybe the play in. I think Kuzma's really kind of shined out of the you know, maybe the shadow of LeBron and AD. He's kind of been, him and Beal have had a really good partnership. They've been uh, moving the ball well, um, and he's been playing with it seems like more confidence Kyle Kuzma has. Um but I don't know a team to beat. That's really hard because I think Golden State will be eventually, uh, especially if Clay comes back uh, and Clay Thompson is healthy, and you got Steph Curry having another just insane season. Um, but I don't think right now there's one team that I would point to and say they're the team to beat. Like in past years, you know, you had the Golden State of old. You know, when there was KD, Steph, Clay, like that was. Like, everyone should just go home and, you know, we'll try again next year once he's a free agent, you know? Um, but this year, not really. I can't say that there's a team that I would point to. Yeah, I definitely agree with your take and the statements, especially since a lot of teams around the league have suffered injury and they haven't had their star players back. But I think right now, if there was a team to beat, it would be the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Currently, they're the best offensive team in the league, averaging 115.9 points per game. They're also the second-best defensive team in the league, only allowing 102.3 points per game. Which is impressive. And this stat is what really sets this, – this stat really shows why they are the team to beat. Mm-hmm. So their point differential, they're plus 13.6. Oh, wow. And the second team closest to them, the Utah Jazz, is plus 7.6. Wow. That's actually So huge. Golden State, I know they've had a pretty easy schedule so far, but they've absolutely dominated their competition. Yeah, that's Jordan really impressive. Jordan Poole has been – really exceptional and Andrew Wiggins has really stepped up dropping 35 against his former team also putting Cat on the poster that was crazy that was pretty crazy he definitely took that personally shout out to MJ on that one yeah but Golden State has looked really really solid lately and I think once they get Clay in the mix that will definitely take the offensive load off Steph obviously Clay will not be the same player defensively especially with two lower leg injuries but Mm -hmm. he's one of the greatest shooters of all time arguably the second greatest shooter of all time so I think he'll be able to easily integrate back into that Golden State system. Yeah, I mean, I think Clay is one of those players that I've, I remember there was a game where he had, what, 42 points on seven dribbles or something? Yeah, yeah uh, it was 60 points on, like, 10 dribbles. 60 yeah. points on t- 10 dribbles. I mean, all he needs is a spot. A shooter like Clay Thompson, a shooter like Steph Curry, they don't need, you know, to be the guy with the ball all game. You yeah. know, you get you get him the ball, and, he sh- and he's open. He'll hit the shot, and I don't think that's going to change. I mean, Clay Thompson... I'm sure he's been in the gym, putting in work, take, taking the shots, and he's just ready. He's got to be so excited and ready to come back um, after missing two full years due to injuries. Um, uh, so I really, I do agree. I think Golden State probably the team to beat, uh, especially in the West particularly. Um, there have been some teams uh, and individual players that have been really kind of exciting and surprising to watch. Uh, I've, my first thought goes to um, Anthony Edwards, who just dropped his career-high 48 points. Uh, granted, they lost. It was a, um, a loss to the Warriors, but, I mean, he's been so impressive. I think, in my mind, the Minnesota Timberwolves are the weirdest team in the NBA because I've always thought that they, on paper, are so good. They have such great talent. They have D'Angelo Russell, who's a great facilitator. Carl Anthony Towns, one of the top five, top you know, I'd say a top five big man in the league. And now Anthony Edwards, this amazing young talent. Um, 
so I'm always surprised to see how they do so poorly. Um, but again, John Morant as well has really taken over in Memphis. So a lot of young talent that's really kind of come into the league and been, you know what? I'm here, you know, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, those guys of old, they're retiring, they're getting old, they're getting hurt. Why not me, you know? So I'm excited to see a lot of these young talent, young talented guys uh, come out and just take the league by storm. Yeah, there have been a lot of exciting players this season, Anthony, especially the young guys. Anthony, yeah. I got the our future of our league is in really good hands. Anthony Edwards has been balling out. LaMelo has just been building on what he did during his rookie year. And uh, Jalen Green has been really solid. And also, I mean, I'm biased, but Io Donsumo, second-round pick for the Bulls, has really been balling in the last couple games. So, I mean, the future of the league is really exciting. But like you said, even though the Warriors are the team to beat right now, a lot of teams are still injured. I mean, you look at the L.A. Clippers, Kawhi still out. I mean, they're still 7-4 and in the West with Kawhi out. Yeah, there's I mean, a lot of teams that I think the Nuggets, the, the Lakers, Nuggets, like full health. These teams are all amazing. They're playoff caliber. They're challenging for championships, as we know. I mean, the Lakers are a championship caliber team. Literally, they just won two years ago. The Milwaukee Bucks just coming off of their their championship win. Like they're ready to go at it. You know, the Brooklyn Nets obviously, um, even without Kyrie, still look like a force. Um, so I'm. I think this year, kind of similar to the last couple of years, there's not that one team that you say, okay, these people, this this team, this organization is is the one to beat. These guys are scary. Granted, there are a lot of really talented teams. You know, you've got your Brooklyn's, you got your Milwaukee's, your Golden States, your Lakers, Clippers, but none of them look look head and shoulders above the rest like some teams have in the past couple of years like the Golden States of old and the Miami Heat back when LeBron started the the whole super team trend so I think it's gonna be a really exciting year um but again like uh like you said earlier it's the beginning of the season you know it's things are just starting to you know teams are just starting to figure out what works what doesn't um maybe they're not figuring that out yet but they will soon um I'm excited to see what happens I think Teams like the Jazz, who were really great, the number one seed in the West last year, can definitely turn it around and continue to succeed and maybe take back their number one seed from Golden State. Uh, the Celtics, can they bring it back? Can the Hawks bring it back? You know, uh, and our and our teams like Cleveland and Washington, who have been maybe surprises in the East, gonna you know maybe their inexperience and maybe lack of depth might catch up to them. And Toronto has also been shocking as well, especially with yeah. the play of Scotty Barnes. Yeah, he's gained a lot of yeah. respect of like the best scorers in the league. I think he could definitely be a Kawhi Leonard type talent in the yeah. future. That's definitely his ceiling. I mean, the defense he played against James Harden and Kevin Durant was exceptional. If Kevin Durant gives you props about your defensive ability, you got to be good at the position. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think it's going to be a great. I think there's been a lot of really good, uh, especially this draft class has really shown up. Scotty Barnes, like you mentioned, uh, just drafted this past year. Uh, I forgot the name of the guy in the Rockets. Um, I think it's Jalen Green, maybe. He's Jaylen having Green. he's having a great start to yeah, his rookie. season. Yeah. Um, Kate Cunningham obviously is playing well in Detroit. Um, he's been struggling a bit, but he's been he's had some solid moments. I think Detroit as a team has been struggling. Yeah. I think it's just tough. I mean, when you're a rookie put on a team like that, uh, that's not expected really to do anything, and you're just kind of the guy as a rookie from the start. Really tough to really tough to kind of keep up with it. Um, so a lot of really good talent 
um, young talent, like you mentioned. So paving the way for a very exciting rest of the season, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a super sweet season. And um, definitely a lot to expect, especially with the – there's just so much uncertainty, and that's what makes it really exciting. I think now we're going to take a break. We'll be back um, – after to discuss uh, Odell Beckham Jr. going to Hollywood. So that should be interesting. I'm a champion, real mechanism. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah, Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're gonna go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Five Nines is Madison's local IT service company, working to help out medium and small businesses in the city. For over 20 years, Five Nines has been focusing on tailoring their services to their clients' need, promising reliability, integrity, adaptability, and compassion. Situated just near the Capitol, their services is no more than a few blocks away. More information can be found at 59s.com. Hey, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers for Rad. I'm here to remind you that drunk drivers are still a major killer of young adults in this country. So always choose a designated driver and remember, music lives, you should too. Getting born in the state of Mississippi, Papa was a copper and a mama was a hippie. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hey, what's up? This is Gwemp speaking for RAD. Give up the keys, choose a designated driver. Music lives, so should you. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. And we're back. So now we're going to switch gears and talk about the NFL and Odell Beckham Jr. going to Hollywood and signing with the L.A. Rams. So, Ben, I got to ask you, what do you think about Odell Beckham Jr.'s fit with the Rams? And do you think this is going to be a healthy marriage or one that ends in divorce? I think the Rams, um, I don't know how I feel about this. It's really it's really hard to hard to see how this is going to pan out. I think Odell is such an such an individual personality alone in the league. He's obviously talented. We've seen what he can do, but the Rams of all teams, it feels like this was a choice by Odell and not a choice by the Rams. And to explain a little bit further, the Rams don't need him. The Rams have two starting, you know, top 10, 15 receivers in the league. I mean, Cooper Cup has been having a season for the ages this season. Um, and Robert Woods uh, would be a wide receiver one on most teams in the league, you know? So 
Odell, I don't see him as more than like a wide receiver three on this team, honestly. Uh, and so if he was upset maybe with not getting the ball enough in Cleveland, I don't see him getting the ball anymore, if, if even at all, like much less, I would argue, on the Rams. So I think I'm curious. I think his choice is obviously he wanted to go to a contender. The Rams already, even after, even before signing Odell and before signing Von Miller, which they did uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, I already thought they were a contender uh, for the for the Super Bowl. Obviously, adding Odell is not going to hurt on the field necessarily. Off the field, obviously, we've seen there have been some issues. I mean, look at Cleveland and kind of what went down there. I don't know how it's going to pan out. I hope it works out, obviously, for both teams, but. I was really confused as to why the Rams would want Odell. Not so much why Odell would want to go to the Rams. Obviously, it's not a free ticket, but it's definitely a higher priority ticket to the postseason, to the potential Super Bowl. So I'm curious to see how it goes. I'm definitely curious to see how it goes as well because the Rams do have a solid passing game with receivers like Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Higby, and Cooper Cup, who's basically the second coming of Wes Welker in this offense. At a minimum, I could see Beckham like filling the role recently vacated by Deshaun Jackson. It's just like a big play threat and depth behind Cup and Woods. Yeah. But He's I could like a also first down guy. Yeah, definitely. I could also see him mimicking the same impact as Antonio Brown when he helped the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl as like a complimentary piece alongside Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think this is definitely a solid move by the Rams. Obviously, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. on your team. Like, mm-hmm. if I mean, he's one of the he's one of the most talented receivers of the last five six years. Mm-hmm. So I think it will definitely be a solid fit on the field. I just I think he also knows coming into this team that he's not going to get a lot of targets. But yeah. I think he's willing to make that sacrifice in order to. Uh, hoist up the Lombardi Trophy in February. So. Yeah, because it's interesting. I don't want. It's not exactly a parallel to saying you know it's like when you know Katie joined the Warriors or no. something like that. <clears throat> because it's not. It's not to that level. It's <laughs> never to that level in football. There's not like one player in football really can't make that big of huge of a difference compared to like a player in the NBA. Obviously, exactly. one player can no, make exactly. a difference, but in the NBA, one guy can literally take over. Team. Exactly. So I think. It's not to that extent in terms of impact, but I think in terms of implications, let's say, it is. I think it's Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. If you can't beat him, you join him. That's what happened, in my opinion. You know, his That's he, exactly what happened, yeah. Uh, it was one of the weakest moves by a superstar in NBA history, it's, if I'm being and, honest. And granted, he got what he got what he wanted. He won a ring, you know. And he was he was a two time finals MVP. I will give him that. Yeah, he, he when on the biggest stage he did show up and yeah, show he out, earned it. So. so obviously Odell is not at the level of talent or, you know, above his opponents like Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant is an elite talent. Odell Beckham Jr. is good. He's a star. I personally would not put him in the superstar category anymore. I don't think, I think just based on, I think he can be put back into it. His numbers recently have not been impressive. Maybe that's because he'll tell you he's not getting the ball enough. Maybe, you know, Cleveland's offense just wasn't working for him. But I think... Odell Beckham Jr. on the Los Angeles Rams is going to be a wide receiver three. I don't think he gets more than maybe five five max targets a game. I don't. Maybe he'll get a touchdown every once in a while. But like you said, he's that big play threat. He's that guy like Deshaun Jackson who on first down, maybe second and short, you put in the game to scare the defense and maybe draw an, uh, a top-tier wideout. 
Um, so, or defender, excuse me. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. I don't think it changes much in terms of the Rams, like, Super Bowl chances. I'd be curious to see actually what, like, Vegas put their odds at because, like we said, they were already so good to begin with. It's not like they're all of a sudden have a massive upgrade at one position. So I don't know. We'll see. I think this definitely was a solid pickup for them, especially – if they want to lead the NFC West, because the Cardinals are 8-1 and one right now, and if they want to take over that spot, I think him and Von Miller will definitely help achieve that goal. Well, yeah, I think Von Miller was a much better addition than Odell Beckham. I think Von Miller... D- yeah, definitely more, I more mean, of a serviceable addition sure. compared I mean, to Odell. The, the Rams have always had... I mean, Aaron Donald, the best, one of the best defensive players in the history of the league, I think he's had the impact that he has had on the field, even when the Rams weren't the best team. Their defense, they could have, you know, 10 men on the field on defense, one less pass rusher, and you're still going to triple team Aaron Donald because he's still so good. He's so physically kind of not not demanding is the word, but he's so he demands so much attention, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He's so impactful in the game that when you add someone like Von Miller like they have, who who in his prime was almost just as demanding and just as, you know, hey, I'm going to sack your quarterback. You have two of those guys now. It's really a scary, scary defensive front uh, for the Rams. So I think Arizona is going to have to, Arizona within the NFC West is going to have to adapt and teams across the league are going to have to adapt because that's, that is a double whammy if I've ever yeah, seen one. I think it's definitely going to be a tough race in the NFC West. I really see it coming down to the Cardinals the Rams, the Packers, even throw the Buccaneers into that conversation as well. I, the NFC West, I think, is definitely more interesting than the AFC right now because obviously the top teams in the AFC from last year have been struggling, especially the Chiefs yeah. who are 5-4. and four. The Ravens have been riddled with injury. Yeah, I think and, if you – oh, the Ra- oh the Ravens after last night? I'm sorry. Yeah. The Ravens, they'll make the playoffs. I don't see them as Super Bowl contenders anymore. Yeah. personally. Uh, but like you said, I agree. The Nas- the NFC, the National Football Conference, uh, looks a lot more scary than the AFC, the American Football Conference. The AFC, they've got Buffalo. Not terrible. I mean, they're 5-3, and three, but the AFC East is con- is absolutely abysmal this year. AFC East is abysmal. I think Mac- Ever since Brady left, it just yeah. hasn't been the I mean, same. Mac Jones has promised. I think New England is on the rise compared to how they were last year. Uh, when, when Brady first left, um, I think Mac Jones is a really solid pickup for them. He re- fits well into the Belichick system, but no one's going to say they're going to challenge in the, the playoffs. I think Tennessee, even with the loss of Derrick Henry, does still look kind of formidable uh, uh, in the in the South, Tennessee Titans. Um, but then the AFC North is the weirdest division. The, the Ravens that you mentioned really banged up. Cleveland, who Odell just left. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who look... Like they struggle to get five yards ever, uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the most up and down team I've ever seen, all of those teams can make the playoffs. I would not be surprised if you said that any of those four teams made the playoffs. I would be surprised if you said they made the Super Bowl. Granted, um, so they don't look solid. The Chargers look all right. The Chiefs, who knows what's going on with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Um, they definitely do not like the team of old that we've seen in the past. So all of those teams that you know those annual playoff contenders, those teams that are trying to fight to get into the championship game, maybe even make the uh, Super Bowl, none of them really look that formidable anymore. And all the teams that you might say, like, okay, they 
they are favorites to win the Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Rams, and if Aaron Rodgers is playing, the Green Bay Packers, I would argue. Those four teams are all in the NFC. So I think the playoffs, the wild card is going to be crazy in the NFC because the Rams or the Cardinals, one of them is not going to make um, the first round by, right? They're, they're going to have to play in the wild card and get a, quote, at-large bid for the playoffs. So there's going to be some team like maybe maybe your Dallas Cowboys or someone, although, although they're probably going to win the NFC, someone like the Minnesota Vikings or the, the Saints, or the Seattle Seahawks, teams that might turn it around and make the playoffs, are going to have to play the Rams in the first round. So it's really, I think I'm, I'm very excited to see how it pans out. I think the in, to go back to our original topic of Odell Beckham, I think the addition of Odell is going to change maybe a little bit of the Rams system, but I really don't think it's going to change much in their eventual ceiling. I don't think their ceiling has changed at all, to be honest. If anything, I think their floor might, floor might have come up a little bit because while he's amazing on the field and has a big impact on the field, he also sometimes has an impact off the field, you know, and has shown to have issues with maybe not getting the ball enough or not enough attention on the field. So I, I'm curious to see if that is the case here, because like you said, there's no way he's going into this thinking, you know what, I'm going to be the guy here. I'm their number one receiver. As soon as I walk in the door, especially the seasons of cup is, and Woods has been playing solid too. So I'm, I'm a little confused uh, as to why Odell would want to do this, if his reason for Cleveland truly was that he wasn't getting the ball enough and he wasn't, you know, getting the attention he thought he deserved, I'm curious. I'm very surprised that he went to LA for that. Yeah, I, I really do think it was a solid move, but there are obviously those question marks, especially with Odell being a big personality and the attention, the unwanted attention that he could attract. But overall, I think the NFC is going to be really tight towards the end of the season. I think the playoffs are going to be really exciting to watch. And overall, it's it's definitely been a weird season in the NFL. Yeah, but I, I think because the AFC has just been so unpredictable, but the NFC has been really, really exciting so far. And I think it's it's going to come down to the wire, which is honestly, I as mean, a sports fan, that's like Christmas. Oh, so. I agree. I agree. I think one of the also most entertaining and interesting parts of the season is there are so many teams that are 3-5, and 5-3, five, five and three. Five and four, four and five. There's very few seven win teams. I think there might be four or five of them. I think there are four teams that have seven wins. Which, granted, that's not crazy, but there's a, it's a thirty-two team league. There's a that's a lot of teams. And when you look at the teams that have six wins, there's only I think three of them. So there are a total of seven out of thirty-two teams that have six or more wins this season. Which is crazy. That means that it's so, like you said, it's so even. It's so, you know, some of these games, you flip a coin and that'll decide who wins, you know? You could look at a, a, a the Washington football team who are 2-6 and six right now. Early in the season, they looked like they were going to, you know, be playoff contenders. They were having a great start. Uh, the only team that maybe you might say, okay, they're not going to win today could be, you know, the Jets or maybe the the, the Lions. But I think, like you said, it's like Christmas Super exciting. It's going to come down to the end, especially for those last couple of uh, wild card slots. I think some divisions, like the NFC North, uh, probably the NFC East with Dallas, and you think you think got to think Green Bay is going to win that. There's four games ahead of second place in Minnesota. Dallas is three games ahead of Philly. Uh, a lot of those divisions you probably wrapped up. Not really gonna. Not much is going to change there. But some of those, like the AFC West, every team is five and three or five and four. 
you know, they're all tied. L.A., Las Vegas, Kansas City, and Denver, all have five wins. You know, it's going to come down to the wire, which I think especially if it's, it's exciting for us, but if you are a Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, or Broncos fan, you are on the edge of your seat every week, biting your nails, checking your score, checking the scores, to hoping that your team can pull it together. So it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun end of the season, kind of like the NBA. It's up in the air. There's not really those teams that you're like, maybe, or there are a couple teams that you're like, okay, they are favorites. Kind of like the NBA, where there's those teams maybe above above the the general pack, but there's so many of them now. There's enough teams that are above the pack that it's like, who's going to win? I don't know. Yeah. Any week. That's what makes sports so exciting. Um, thank you so much for tuning into this segment of Ish Kandish. Hope you guys have a great uh, rest of your Friday and an amazing weekend. And uh, let's get a W this Saturday. Heck yeah.